We have a rule in our house, divorce is not an option. It is not an option, which means we have to go the distance. And so what we've learned is to rather than stand in front of each other and argue about something, let's put our backs together and fight the devil because he's the one that's coming after us. Frederick K. Douglass once said it's easier to build strong children than to repair a broken man. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we're going to talk with an organization that does just that, helps build strong, not just children, but families. Carol Jackson, Executive Director of Families Matter, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you so much. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're a dear friend, somebody that can pick up the phone almost at 10 o'clock last (laughs) night and say, hey, Carol, what you doing? Can you stop by the studio tomorrow? You were so gracious to say yes. It is my pleasure because, you know, it gives me an opportunity to just talk about what we're doing at Families Matter and how God is blessed. So thank you for giving us that opportunity. Well, Carol, this pandemic has created a lot of new stress, including anxiety separation for grandparents. Right. And I'm uh, one of those grandparents. I, I know it. And, and it's especially tough for those who have children and grandchildren living in other states. Most definitely. So far from, yes. what do they call you? They call me grandma. They call me grandma. They I'm grandma. I've been grandma the whole time. I don't mind that title because it's a title that goes with who I am. I am their parents' mother, so I am their grandmother. So that's what they call me. This past year has been tough it's, it's been for so many tough. families. It's been very tough. So I've, tell me about some of your personal anxiety separation issues being well, away from those grandkids. Well, we've just, we, you know what we learned? We, we've learned how to get together FaceTime. We talk a lot. My granddaughters will call me, and they're on FaceTime. So whether I have my hair in curlers, whether I'm walking around in a bathrobe, whether I'm cooking breakfast, cooking dinner, whatever I am doing, we're doing it together during my time with them. And the same thing with their parents. We talk a lot. We share a lot. I'm busy. With me being busy with Families Matter, that takes up some of my time, but it doesn't take up my love time when I would just really love a hug and a kiss oh from my. a grandchild. Now, I do have two grandsons here. Jackson and Ricky Ransom are here. And so when things get really tough <laughs> during those first weeks when we were all quarantined, I drove over to my daughter's house and rang the doorbell and I stepped into her house. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm breaking quarantine. I need a hug from my grandchildren. And they came running downstairs and we hugged and we've not been quarantined since. So that's, you know, you, you make life what you need it to be during those times of trial. And I think when you establish loving, caring relationships, when things like this happen and there is separation for a temporary time, mm-hmm. like you said, your granddaughters, how old are they that are calling you? The ones that are calling me, one is like 20, I think she's 21, and the other one is 18, getting ready to graduate. An age where you would think most young people at that age, whether it be a guy or girl, would be consumed with friendships and other activities, but remembering grandma. Exactly. Exactly. My grandson had his first child. They call me so that I can. Are you a great grandma? I'm a great grandma. (laughs) But now on that one, Byron, I'm Gigi. You're Gigi. I'm Gigi on that one. Because they call me just so that I can talk to her. I have a little song that I've sang to all of my grandchildren. So he wants his daughter 
to know that song. So they'll call me so I can sing to her while she's in the tub. I sing to her and she just looks at me and so that she knows who I am so that when we can get together, she will recognize both my voice and she'll know my face. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's precious. Yes, it is very precious. Well, you and your husband, Herman, have been married over 50 years. Yes, do you remember that first date you went on with Herman? You know, I I really do not because Herman and I grew up in the same community. And I really did not like Herman or any members of his family at that point. <laughs> so I don't remember the first date, but I do remember the time when I recognized that I no longer disliked Herman. I remember that time. And it was pretty special, you know, because it was one of those times like, hmm, I don't think I hate them anymore. I was a child, so it was. I was going off of things I heard. And it wasn't like they were gangsters or anything. No, I mean, no, no, no. They were awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome people. But they were of different faith. I mean, and, you know, back in the day, different faith meant something, yeah, you know. Yeah. As we know today, if we're serving God, we're all in the same family. So it was It was a lot of, of things that I'd learned from others. Even that can be blurred lines. You know, if we're all serving God, if we're all connected through Jesus Christ. Through, through, through Jesus. Christ. We need to make that clear, right? Yes, 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 because Jesus is the way. Yes. He is the way, the truth, and the light. Carol, how do married couples continue to share the love, respect, and admiration for each other? You've been doing this for over 50 years now. We have, but you know what, Byron? We have also had our issues. But the way I look at the way we continue to do it is we continue to respect each other's differences. What I've learned today is that so many things that Herman and I used to argue about, we laugh about those things today. It does not matter to me whether he leaves the cap off the toothpaste. If he does it too many days, I go buy him his own tube of toothpaste. (laughs) You know, there's things you learn to do. You learn to adjust your life so that your life will continue in the vein that you want it to. And when Herman and I got married, we said... Till death do us part. And we meant that. We have a rule in our house. Divorce is not an option. It is not an option, which means we have to go the distance. And so what we've learned is to rather than stand in front of each other and argue about something, let's put our backs together and fight the devil because he's the one that's coming after us. Making those adjustments in our married relationships really keeps us from being distant and resentful to each other. Definitely. And what I've learned is that in so many instances when an argument or when when a disagreement ensue, when it comes about, that's an opportunity for us to run to each other rather than run away from each other. The enemy wants us to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. And and the scripture lets us know, the Bible says, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. Yes. And if any man hears his voice, let him open the door and he will come in and sup with us. Well, that's what sometimes, that's what disagreements do. They're that knocking at the door that you need to spend quality time together. Well, Carol, will you talk about this until death do us part relationship. Today's culture doesn't understand that. And you're talking about something that is referred to as a covenant relationship. Covenant. And so let's talk a minute about what this covenant, not just 
the pizzazz of... This is not a contract, Byron. A contract, we can have it amended. No prenups. No prenups. <laughs> a contract can be amended. We can decide that we're going to end it quickly. And so in so many cases, you know, if families matter, we deal with grants. And on occasions I've seen, we've not had that happen to us, but I've seen organizations who have had to disband because a grant would be amended and it would be, the contract would end abruptly. In a covenant, you go to the end. You see it through. And through is till death do us part. And I believe that's the reason the marriage vows were originally written that way. Because children, people are involved. And it's like throwing a pebble into the ocean a rock into the ocean, the the waves go way out. So when things come in that would disrupt a marriage, it doesn't just affect the man and the woman that's getting the divorce. It affects the family for generations to come. And that's what I want to guard against in our family. What are some of those tools that you and Herman have included in your marriage toolbox to help keep the relationship strong and healthy? One of the tools, Byron, is we have this little thing that we go through. Herman and I are different. I'm, I'm a talker. Herman is not. Herman is a doer. I see things that need to be done and let him know that the doer needs to do it. You know, <laughs> so we're so different in so many aspects. But we learned years ago, there's a tool that we use. So when one of us is feeling that, okay, an argument is getting ready to start. You can feel it. You know how you feel the, the hairs on the back of your neck begin to curl up. You know th- that this, if yeah, one of us yeah, do not yeah, stop, yeah. this is going to be not so great. Yes. So we have a tool that we use, and we call it Sunday morning. It can be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. But when one of us say that phrase, it's Sunday morning. We cannot talk any longer. We have to let go of what we're discussing and set a time to come back to it later. Most times we never come back to that same thing. So it's respect for the individual. Yes. It's hearing. I learned years ago, I need to listen intently to what Herman's saying to me. Am I hearing Herman or, or am I thinking about what I'm getting ready to say next? Okay. So I need to listen to him. Love, of course, is a huge factor, but love comes when I've done all those other things, when I've listened, when I've respected, when I've cared for, when I've heard him. One of the best things you can do for any individual is to hear him. Oh, wow, Carol. What a great word there. Okay, so what are some ways that Families Matter use your experience, your personal experience in marriage, and the biblical definition of covenant relationship of marriage to help couples build a life together? Well, you know, one of the things we do at Families Matter is our mission is to strengthen families, change lives, transform Memphis. And when we say that ending part, transform Memphis, that's huge. So that's not only Families Matter, but that's a lot of the other organizations that we work with, the churches, the agapes of the world, the neighborhood Christian centers. There's a lot of different organizations that's working in the same space with us. And so what we're trying to do is help fathers, help boys and men, teenagers understand that they can have success in life if they're willing to do the work. So what we try to do, and one of the things that literally, when I first started working with Families Matter, And I said to my husband, God is really putting on me that we need to work with men. He looked at me and said, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it is to get men into classes? 
And I said, yes, that's the reason I need you to work with me because then I need you to do that part of the work. You can be the doer. You can be the doer. But we, the whole point is to go in and be intimate about our flaws. See, we can't go in all the time as the expert. Yes. We might be the expert, but we're the expert because we've gone through a similar situation. So what we do at Families Matter is we do our best to try to help those that come into our classes, be they men, women, boys, young ladies, girls. We try to help them to understand that we've been there. Not necessarily just Herman and I, because we have a team of wonderful instructors that's willing to go the distance with these individuals. And so when I've sat in on some of those and listened to some of those guys literally cry, because here they are getting ready to become fathers, and they themselves were not fathered. So they have no idea of how to do it. So they feel this load and this weight, not knowing what to do. Scared to death. Wow. Scared to death. How do I hold the baby? Not knowing anything about postpartum depression, not knowing those things that these gentlemen are getting ready to share with them that will lighten their load. And then these gentlemen give them their phone numbers, their personal numbers, and say, if you need anything, we are here. Call us. And then we reach out to them and find out, are you okay? How's it going? Congratulations. Things like that. Byron, this is ministry work. Do you hear me? Yes, yes. We're in ministry. It is. You know, Carol, I was thinking that when you buy a product, there's an instructional manual in the box, usually when you're trying to put together. And I have a difficult time, I'll be honest with you, sometimes trying to read some of these instructions to put things together. Oftentimes, you can go to YouTube and find a video. And when you see somebody else actually doing it in front of you, it makes a big difference. It makes a difference. I kind of want to take a little bit of a turn, but keep it in the context of our conversation of family here. We're in March. March now just moved out of February, which is annually Black History Month. Mm-hmm. I noticed on your newsletter you wanted to highlight a lady, Marjorie Lee Brown. Yes. She became one of the first black women in the United States to obtain her Ph.D. Just bear with me a second because I want to in read. mathematics. In, in mathematics. We're going to get there. I want to give you some of her bio. She was born on September 9th, 1914, right here in Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Tennessee. She was the daughter of Mary Taylor Lee and Lawrence Johnson Lee. Her mother died when she was two years old. Her father, a railway postal clerk, and her stepmother, Lottie Lee, a school teacher, raised her. Her father had also completed two years of college, which for at that time, very rare for a black man at that time. Exactly. Lawrence Lee was known in the local area to be very good in mental arithmetic. Yeah. Marjorie's dad passed that love of mathematics to his children, and especially Marjorie. She was encouraged to study mathematics by her stepmother. And as a student at Lamoan High School, it's a private school that was started And some of our friends might know that, Lamoan Owen College, Mm -hmm. but Lamoan Owen School at that time was a private school started after the American Civil War by the Methodist and Congregational Churches with the specific aim of educating black people. By the time Marjorie left high school, she was not only gifted in mathematics, but she was an incredible tennis player, too. Right, Okay, her years at university coincided with the Depression, which was big at that time. However, she could afford to attend Howard University in Washington, D.C. due to a combination of loans, jobs, and scholarships. In 1935, Marjorie received her B.S. degree from Howard, where she graduated cum laude. Yes. 
At the University of Michigan, she gained her master's degree in mathematics in 1939, becoming one of the first women to receive this advanced degree. Later, she uh, started working on her doctorate at the University of Michigan. She later joined the faculty of mathematics at North Carolina yeah, Central mm-hmm. yeah, University, mm-hmm. where she stayed until retired yeah. in 1979. Yes. And for 25 years, she was the only person in the department to have a PhD. PhD. Marjorie passed from her home there in Durham, North Carolina, of a heart attack. On October 19, 1979, she was 65. She's remembered as helping students and helping to mentor them, help prepare them to complete their PhDs. But what I want us to talk about a minute here, you know, this is why the institution of the family is so so important. important. You know, we have to have strong families to have survival of a civil society. Exactly. The family was designed by God. Yes. Leaving him out of the equation equals chaos, yes. dysfunction, yes. and anarchy. Yes. This is an example right here of Marjorie, yes. of why we need strong families. Definitely. And I chose her two reasons. Her mother's name was Lottie, and my sister that I love so much, my sister-in-law that I love, we were sisters in love, was Lottie Jackson. I believe her dad's name was Lawrence. One of my f- most favorite cousins in the world was named Lawrence. And then I love the fact if I'm going to print something in one of our newsletters about someone that is a historic professional, I want them to be from Memphis because I want Memphis to understand the people that have come out of this area that have gone on to achieve greatness. And I think Marjorie was one of those. And the mere fact that I am not a mathematician. They would tell you that, and every math teacher I've ever had would say, no, put her in social (laughs) science or something. But I love the fact, I love people that love it. So you're right. The family is what propelled her to be able to do what she Her father's love for math. So it said to me that he was highly involved in her life, in all of his children's lives, because I believe all of them maybe didn't achieve the same status she did, but all of them loved mathematics because daddy did. One of our educators, Patrick Batson, will say all the time, if you do not see something, it's very hard to achieve it. So you have to have that role model, that family. Yes. That's what we're talking about. When we're talking about the covenant of marriage, yes. we're talking about the foundation of the family. It starts with mama and daddy. It's like actually start with daddy and mama. You know, that's, that's how it starts. In the families in the Bible, we see the mistakes that were made. And yet with David and different ones, we also see the greatness that they could achieve when they gave their lives to Christ, began to allow him to rule in their lives so that God's glory would be exalted. Carol, in the midst of dismal circumstances, look at the depression and and having her mother die when she was two. Today, we're living in dismal times, dismal, confusing times. But that doesn't mean the family can't survive. No. In fact, it, it to me, Byron, it is the ingredients for survival. That's one of the things that we're trying to help families understand. The family has within the confines of the family every tool that it needs to survive. But you have to respect each other. You have to understand each other. You have to get to know each other. Yeah. You know, the pandemic, it hit us all extremely hard. But Herman and I would sit sometimes, especially during those first days, and you're watching television and you're hearing all the people that's dying and all that. But we would sit and actually think about how grateful it was that we had each other to be there with. 
because we had the ingredients for survival. The mere fact that we had each other, which means you want to survive for each other. So what do you need to do to make it happen? That's one of the reasons when we went into the community to talk to youth, especially teenagers that were going in and out of their grandparents' homes and not understanding the danger that they were inflicting upon their grandparents. We would say to them, you're not understanding this. Let us share with you what it means to be a protective grandchild of your grandmother. And then not just walk them through the issues, but also give them what they needed if they needed protective equipment. We show them how to wash their hands. We would give them masks. We would talk to them about doing alcohol and using sanitizer, things like that. We did what we needed to do to help them understand you have within your reach the ingredients to be safe. Use it. In so many instances, Byron, we do not use that that we have because we're looking beyond the walls of where we are when we need to look within the walls that we're within. And we're letting that shape us, that disparity, and that's why we see so much despair. Don't you agree? Yes, most definitely. Well, Dynamic Dads is a great part of what you do, and and you recently had an event, and it's so practical. You were mentioning as you take these young soon-to-be dads, or maybe have been dads for a little mm -hmm, while, mm -hmm. but helping them understand their role Mm -hmm. as fathers, helping them understand how to assist the new mom, help them in the feeding, the burping, the holding, the changing the diaper. I mean, this is just practical things. It's practical. It's just everyday stuff. You know, with our teenagers, so many times just helping them be practical as well. What's your dream? We want to drive your dream. So what is your dream? Are you a Marjorie? Would you love to go to Howard University to school? Well, then let's look at what the requirements are. Have you met some of the requirements? Do your teachers know you well enough to write you a letter of recommendation? Have you done outside work so that you can get an employer's recommendation? Have you done some social work so that there's something there that will catapult you into so that whoever is looking at your application will say, this student stands out? That's what we do is we try to get into the minds of the people that we serve and help them understand that what they see is not necessarily what they have to do. But if they want to do more, let's paint a picture so that you can achieve your goals. And how much more fulfilling is it for a young person having uh, overcome obstacles and be successful? Yeah. How that just makes somebody feel. Oh, it's, it's incredible for the young person. And for the family. Yes. And especially for so in so many instances, because in so many of these families, there are several children. So there might be little ones coming behind. And so that little one that's coming behind is also noticing, this is what I can do too. Yes. This is what I can do. And it's hard work. And we realize that. But what we want to do is be there that so that when it gets hard, we try to remove as many obstacles as we can. And we want to be there so that if something happens, someone's there. Sometimes all it takes is someone saying, you can do it. You can and do it. And I believe in you. Yes. I believe in you. You're helping make it happen, too, with the free classes that oh, Families yeah. Matter provides, mm-hmm. offering classes like Dynamic Dads, Nurturing Parents, Connections, yeah. Relationships, and yeah. Marriage for Teens. Yeah. SCS, is that the Shelby County Schools? Shelby County Schools. We participate in a lot of their family forums. Okay. So because we want, not only are we dealing with parents, 
that come in our class, but we want the parents of Shelby County schools, we want those parents to understand what we're teaching their children. When we're invited into some of those family forum sessions, we do an hour-long presentation for parents so they understand also the importance of building healthy relationship skills with their children. Yeah, you're there to help them do yes. that. That's a great word. Uh, also, the lifeline to healthy relationships. Yeah. You mentioned a moment ago Patrick Batson, yeah. who is a certified life coach. Yeah. He's also certified in emotional and social intelligence. Yeah. And he's quite active with you guys mentoring individuals. Most definitely, most definitely. Right now in our nurturing parenting group, we have, I believe it's four, five men that are helping us. And it's, of course, my husband and then Amiangelo Taylor, who is our program director, Patrick Batson. One of the men is a pastor, Pastor Ivory Jackson. Did I mention Miangelo Taylor? No. Oh, and then Gordon Fikes. So there's several (laughs) of those men that's working with our... This team has grown. Oh, it's incredible. But God impressed upon me to do different age groups because we have different age groups in our audience. So what Herman might see with us being married 50 years, you know, we're not spring chickens. (laughs) So what Herman might deal with might be different than what a Patrick Batson will, will deal with as maybe in his mid-40s. And so many of the men that come through can be anywhere from, oh, I would say 18 to 70. I wanted a range in there so that if something comes up, there's someone there that can identify yes. with it. Because when you can identify with it, what comes from the heart reaches the heart. And because a 70-year-old has a opportunity as a grandparent. You got it. Instrumental part of the family. In so many instances, what is said about what Herman says is that's wisdom because he's walked the road. But with others, they're helping them walk the road. So with one, we've gone over it. With the others, we're doing this together. Carol, what is the best way for our friends to find out more information about Families Matter? How can they get involved if they wanted to volunteer, if they want to be a mentor? What can they do? That's easy. First of all, they can call us. My number is on everything. My cell that's with me all the time, 901-351-1124. Go to the website, familiesmattermemphis.org. We also have a Facebook page. I don't know all of it, but I know it's Families Matter Memphis. So there's all these things that they can do. Like I said, the team is absolutely wonderful. I've never been more, uh, I'll use the word proud. I'm so grateful. Maybe that's the best word. I'm grateful for our team. I'm grateful for the fact that we were able to pivot and continue to do our work here in Memphis and Shelby County. And we've been asked also by the state to do the same work as far as the Nurturing Fathers piece in Jackson, Tennessee. So there's the doors that only God can open. And I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful. God is good for you to have called and given me this space. Thank you. Carol Jackson, God is good. And I'm grateful for you, the work that you and Herman and your team do through Families Matter. God bless you, my dear sisters. Always, it's a pleasure to have you come by. Thank you so much. I love it. (laughs) Well, friends, we're going to have to say goodbye on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Again, our guest today, Carol Jackson, Executive Director of Families Matter, because they do matter. Yes. Go to that website, familiesmattermemphis.org. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll have to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.